Hi everybody, this is Brian from Attendance Bias, and today we're going to have a flashback episode, or a classic episode. The episode that is now what I consider a classic is the first mini-episode ever of Attendance Bias. For those of you who haven't been listening since the beginning, before every episode was an interview with a guest, I would have a short episode, usually about 15 minutes, where I would explain a little bit about a jam or a show that I attended that meant something personally to me. And this is the first one that I thought of when I came up with that idea. The flashback episode, or this mini-episode, is of August 4th, 2015 in Nashville, and specifically the jam from Weekapaw Groove. This episode was brought up to me recently during an interview I conducted with AJ Masco. His recent episode was about July 15th, 2000 at Polaris, and when AJ brought it up, I realized I hadn't listened to this episode in nearly two years since it aired. The compliment and the idea of it being brought up when AJ suggested it, it brought me back not only to this time in my life in the summer of 2015, but also to the very beginning of this podcast in 2020. In 2015, I was in a very tumultuous place, emotionally speaking, and this experience in Nashville, as you'll hear in just a minute, and this specific jam brought me to a higher level of renewal and acceptance of where I was and where I could be in the near future. This episode of Attendance Bias, and when you hear it, you'll notice it's very rough, it's very different from the modern show, but what I'm proud of is that it got to the heart of what I want to do with this podcast, bring people's emotions and their personal connections of a show or a jam, or their personal connections to the music, to the forefront. It just so happened that in this case, it was my personal connection to this jam. So without further ado... Enjoy today's flashback episode to the mini episode of Weekapog Groove of August 4th, 2015 at the Ascend Amphitheater in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the first mini-episode of Attendance Bias. I am Brian Weinstein, your host. These mini-episodes will feature a breakdown of a single song or jam from a show that I've attended. I'll pick a song or jam for pretty much any given reason. Either it was the highlight of the show, or it meant something special or personal to me, or it was the first time I caught a song that I was chasing for a long time. Who knows? And these mini-episodes will be posted on a bi-weekly basis in between the full episodes of Attendance Bias when a guest and I will go over a full show. Today's mini-episode of Attendance Bias will focus on Weekapaw Groove from August 4th, 2015 at the Ascend Amphitheater in Nashville, Tennessee. I chose this song because not only does it contain an outstanding dark jam, but the Nashville show was extremely meaningful to me and helped me. It helped me close the door on a major chapter in my life and to turn the page to begin a new one. In the early days of March 2015, my marriage ended. It would not be a stretch to say that my mind, my emotions, and my stability as a whole were rocked to their very core. And as I was reeling, Fish announced their summer tour on March 18th of that year. When I saw the dates, especially the run up the Northeast Corridor toward the end of the tour, I knew exactly what I had to do. 
My ex-wife and I did not have too many assets to address, but among them were a joint savings account and a large stack of credit card rewards points. So we divided those immediately, and when I saw the fish tour dates, I decided to treat myself to as many shows as I possibly could. Now, looking at the end of the tour itinerary, The Man, Merriweather Post, and Magnaball were absolutely no-brainers. I live in the Northeast, I live in New York, and if it's a show within a couple hours, I'm absolutely in. So those were without thought. I went right for those shows. But aside from that run, one show jumped out at me, August 4th in Nashville. I had always wanted to visit Nashville, and I hadn't been able to, just because I haven't gotten around to it, up to that point. It's Music City, USA, and what better excuse to travel is there than fish? And although I knew friends who would be at the show, for the most part, I was on my own. I was traveling by myself, I was staying in the hotel by myself, and I was going around the city by myself. So it wouldn't be pretty much until the day of the show where I would meet up with someone who I knew. And so after a day of doing all the tourist things and sightseeing, I went to Hattie B's for hot chicken. Uh, I went to the Country Music Hall of Fame. I toured the Ryman Auditorium, the Johnny Cash Museum, all the stuff that a first-timer in Nashville would do. I was just wandering around town, and I walked right by the Ascend Amphitheater, and I was absolutely shocked. This place was so small. It was brand new at that point. I actually think that Fish was the second band ever to play there. And so leading up to the tour, I remember a lot of chatter on Fantasy Tour, on other Fish message boards, questions and discussion about where are they actually playing in Nashville? And nobody really knew anything, it seemed. There were photographs, you know, pictures that locals took, but it still didn't give much information. So when I walked around the venue for the first time, I was shocked at how tiny it was. Uh, No one had any idea what to expect. When I walked around the venue from the outside, I was at the very back of the lawn and I could still easily see the stage. It was so incredibly exciting to picture myself seeing fish in this new city at this new venue. It occurred to me that traveling for fish had been one of the true bright spots of my marriage, and now that that was no longer the case, I was determined to feel good and to have a good time being on my own. I met up with my friend Brad on the day of the show, and as we went in together, I could not believe how close we were. We were toward the back of the reserved seats, but we were still closer than 90% of the other shows I've seen at any given venue. It occurred to me that even though we were at the back of the reserved section, the seated section, I feel like even the last row of the Ascend Amphitheater is closer than like the fifth row at Jones Beach or something like that. It really is a delightful venue. If you get the opportunity, please take advantage and go see fish there. The first set was fine. It's what we might call average great fish. They were highlights for sure, like the funky Wolfman's brother and the crowd dancing like crazy during No Men in No Man's Land, and the lyrics of When the Circus Comes to Town carried a little bit of an extra special meaning for me this time. But to be honest, there really wasn't much that blew me away. I even in real time wasn't thinking that there was too much that I would listen back to after the show was over. I'm not complaining. I had a really great time, but it didn't really hit me in that place where Fish is so often able to do. But that all changed with the second set. 
The second set of this show contained a Mike screw for the ages. Not only does Mike's song have the fabled return of the quote unquote second jam, which I know is a sore spot for some hardcore fans that are adamant that it is not the second jam, but I don't care. I'm going to refer to it as that anyway, but it has the second jam and it goes into Piper with minor key jamming, a really strange cross-eyed and painless with odd vocals. And then it segues right into today's choice to close the whole Mike's groove and the whole set. We could paw groove. The opening of Weekapog is made clear in the cross-eyed jam at the very end, and the song immediately becomes weird. At about one minute in, it slows down to almost half speed. This is the oddest thing, because Weekapog is one of the fastest songs in the Fish catalog. Maybe this was some sort of preview of the Slow Llama that debuted later in the summer. I've just never heard a Weekapog groove this slow. And then throughout the rest of the song, the band keeps the slower tempo. Maybe not at the very, very end, but for the large majority, they do. At about 2 minutes and 45 seconds, Trey comes in with some combo of... Plinko jamming and his Mutron pedal effect that he perfected, I'm guessing, for the Fair Thee Well shows earlier in the summer. It's this great combination that showcases a new, unique way that Trey was able to deliver this amazing summer. So after that little Plinko Mutron section, they return to the normal Weekapog jamming, but still in half speed. And then everything changes just before the five minute mark when Trey introduces a slow descending guitar riff that will form the backbone of the whole song from here on out. Once Trey is playing that slow descending riff, within a few seconds, Paige and Fishman drop out and they leave Trey and Mike all by themselves. And Trey and Mike walk over to each other 
and play right off each other, all based on this weird descending riff. And this kind of reminded me at the time of what they did at Coventry during Harry Hood, when they walked together out onto the rocks in front of the stage and faced each other and played close up. The big difference, of course, is that this time everything connected and it stayed interesting and it stayed tight and together. It really perked up my ears. I remember standing up and holding myself up with my hands gripped on the seat in front of me. And I just, I was, my mouth was agape, my eyes were wide, my ears were completely locked in. Two of them find a groove at about 6 minutes and 20 seconds when they settle in to this dark, twisted, slow burn, Iron Maiden type metal jam. Fishman pushes his deepest floor tom while pages, I think, on the clavinet. It's kind of what Fish would sound like if they played death metal. It actually reminds me of the Carini from December 30th, 2012, if that helps. And if you weren't at that show or you don't know the Carini of which I'm speaking, definitely make your way over to listen to that. That's December 30th, 2012, that Carini that and this week upon Groove. By the end of the jam, there's this deep bass, these tribal sounding drums, high-pitched guitar shredding. It's It's got it all. If you like Dark Fish, this is made for you. It eventually gets back to Weekapod Groove to close the set as if nothing happened. And this blew me away. Not only was it a straight up crazy jam, but more importantly, it showed me that life would be there as I began my new chapter. Fish was there for me before my marriage. It was there for me during my marriage, and they would be there for me long after my marriage was over. Not only would they be there for me, but they would be as fun, they would be as interesting and surprising as ever. I love this gem and this show. Next week on Attendance Bias, my guest is Dawn Jenkins. You probably know her better as Donnie B, as the host of the Female Centrics Podcast. That's P-H-E-M-A-L-E, Female Centrics Podcast. She chose October 26, 2010 in Manchester, New Hampshire, where she took her boyfriend to his first show. 
And in case you forgot about that show, it featured a ton of rarities, including Mellow Mood, an absolutely beautiful jam off the curtain with, that sounds a little bit more like Reba than the curtain, and a tribute to the then recently passed reggae artist Gregory Isaacs with Fish's rendition of Night Nurse. Tune in next week for that episode, and thank you for joining me today for our first mini-episode on Attendance Bias. I'm Brian Weinstein. Thank you again for listening to Attendance Bias.